0: It what you will giving, tithing, stewardship, the donating of our money to God and the church is a subject that, huh, quite frankly, stirs up many different thoughts and feelings. And whatever our attitude may be, the Bible says that it has a direct effect on the who, what, when, where, why, and how of our giving just how important is our attitude anyway well some clever person explained it this way if you give a numerical value to each letter of the alphabet A equals 1 B equals 2 C equals 3 and so on and you spell out attitude A T T I T U D E and you add up all those numerical values when you add it up guess what it equals a hundred in other words, attitude affects 100% of anything and everything in life. It influences our temperament, it shapes our perspective, it impacts our relationships, it has a direct bearing upon our success or failure. And when it comes to our stewardship, our attitude has a direct effect on the who, what, when, where, why, and how of our giving if you haven't already done so would you take your uh, lesson notes out of your program this morning so you can follow along jot down a few notes be an active listener with us as we participate in God's word together turn with me to Luke chapter 10 the gospel of Luke chapter 10 it's on page 1615 if you're using the pew bible The basics. Christianity 101. It's important for us to be sure that we understand some fundamental basic truths. The writer of Hebrews put it like this. He says you need someone to sit down with you and go over the basics again starting from square one. Making sure the basic foundational truths are in place. And one of these basic foundational truths is in fact... Giving. over the past couple of months several of you have come to me asking questions about the offering the time usually at the end of our Sunday worship service when we pass around those offering bags so let's answer some of those questions shall we the basics Christianity 101 specifically I want us to zero in on our attitude when it comes to giving And to get us started, let's take a look at one of the best known of Jesus' parables. The parable of the good Samaritan. But before we dig into these verses here in Luke 10, let's pause for just a moment. Let's ask God to speak clearly to us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, once again, we sit at your feet. You're the teacher, we're the students. So teach us today, instruct us, open our eyes so we could see clearly, open our ears so that we would listen and hear what you have to say, open our minds so we can comprehend and understand. Most of all, open our hearts that we would receive the seed of truth that you want to plant there, that it would grow and flourish and produce fruit in our lives. That we would become the kind of givers that You are. (laughs) That You would mold us and shape us into Your image, O God. The image of Your Son, Jesus Christ. So we're ready to learn. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Okay, follow along in your Bible as I read Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, we pick it up with verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, Here's our story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, certainly there are many principles to be learned and applied from this parable. But since our lesson today focuses on our attitude when it comes to our giving, we'll leave most of those principles for discussion at a later time. For today's study, I just want you to take note with me of three attitudes illustrated in the parable of the Good Samaritan when it comes to giving. The first attitude in Jesus' story is this. What is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. (laughs) What is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Now, of course, that's the attitude expressed by the robbers in verse 30. Look at it again. It says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. I call them the takers. (laughs) There are people in life like this, you know. Always on the take. Always wanting what others have for themselves. Thinking, in fact, that they are entitled to. Those things. That it is their right to have them. They are envious and jealous of those who have them. There's greed and covetousness in their heart. And they are always on the take. Always taking what is not rightfully theirs. The takers. What is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Number two, the second attitude is what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. What is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. This is the attitude shown by the priest and the Levite in verses 31 and 32. Look at them again with me. A priest, a holy man, happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he stopped and helped him. Because that's what priests do, right? No. Not this priest. He passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, oh, one of those who helps in the temple. Yeah, surely he'll, he'll do it. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. I call them the keepers. Huh. It's an attitude of selfishness. It's an attitude of hoarding. What's mine is mine. I I earned this the good old-fashioned way, and I'm going to keep it, man, because it's mine. I have the rights to this. Keep your hands off of it. Then there's the third attitude, and that is what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to... Give it. This, of course, is the attitude demonstrated by the Samaritan in verses 33 through 35. Look at those verses again. A Samaritan, an outcast, you understand that, of course, as he traveled, came where the man, a Jew, was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out his MasterCard and gave it to the innkeeper. Well, I mean, that's how we would say it today, right? <laughs> Just checking, wanting to make sure you were with me here. He took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. That's amazing. What's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. It's the giver's attitude. An attitude of sacrifice. An attitude of generosity. An attitude that says, I realize that all of the resources that God has given to me and entrusted to my care are dispensable. I only have those resources so that I can give them away to others and to God. What's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. So in summary, I see three basic attitudes Here in the parable of the Good Samaritan about giving. What's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. That's the takers. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. That's the keepers. And what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. That's the givers. And it's obviously this third attitude what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it, that God desires of us when it comes to giving our resources. In Jesus' own words in verse 37, boy, don't overlook these, He says to us, He commands us, go and do likewise. Now with this giver's attitude in mind then, let's draw some conclusions. How exactly do we go and do likewise? What are some practical ways that we can demonstrate this giver's attitude, especially when it comes to our tithes and our offerings? Let's start here. Read Hebrews 4 verse 12 out loud with me. Let's read this together. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Don't miss those last four words. Attitudes of the heart. See, the Word of God, the Bible... Penetrates. It cuts through all the fake outer pretense and it gets to the real inner person. It gets past the this is how I want others to see me to the this is the real me. Scripture just does that. Kind of just cuts right through it all. So we shouldn't be surprised to discover that the Bible identifies some attitudes of the heart when it comes to giving. In fact, as I've studied and re-studied the Scriptures over the years, I've come to identify at least ten biblical attitudes about giving. Let me share them with you this morning so that you can examine your own attitudes of the heart as you give your tithes and your offerings. Number one, if I'm a giver not a taker or a keeper. I have the God's in charge attitude. God's in charge. Simply stated, God is the owner and I am the manager. This attitude, I think, is foundational to our whole understanding of biblical stewardship. In fact, if we don't get this attitude, we may as well not even look at the others. Psalm 24 verse 1 tells us, The world and all that is in it belong to the Lord. The earth and all who live on it are His. Our lives, everything we are and everything we have belong to God. And as the owner, He has of course entrusted some of these resources to our care to manage them faithfully for Him. And we are responsible to Him for our management. We are ultimately accountable to Him. Interesting, I've run across people over the years who have said, okay, I dropped my money in the offering bag. I took care of my obligation to God. Now I can do whatever I want to with the rest. Nah. Just because you gave that 10% doesn't mean the 90% is for you. No, you have misunderstood what the Bible teaches. 100%. Belongs to God. And you are accountable to Him for how you spend every last penny of that 100%. It's not just the tithe. Luke 14 verse 33 summarizes this first attitude so well. Jesus says, So then whoever of you does not surrender claim to all that he has cannot be My disciple. The key word there, by the way, is the word all. It's that song we sang earlier. Some to Jesus I surrender. Some to Him I freely give. Isn't that what we sang? No. That's what some of you were thinking. <laughs> Come on, be truthful. All to Jesus I surrender. So, number one is the God's in charge. Attitude. Number two, I know I'm a giver and not a taker or a keeper if I have the first fruits, not leftovers. Attitude. First fruits, not leftovers. Simply stated, faithful givers share the first and the best. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 puts it this way, Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of your money and the best part of your crops. Only then will you have more resources than you will ever need. So we don't give God the leftovers. We, we, we don't wait till we've spent it all on all of our bills and expenses and wants and desires and then when the offering comes on Sunday morning we go oh I guess I should throw something in there and we open our wallet and we find the dollar bill we have left and we drop it in no God gets the first part God gets the best part right off the top before and above anything else and so number two is the first fruits, not leftovers attitude. Number three, givers possess the what I have now attitude. What I have now. Simply stated, faithful giving involves my present in-hand resources. Let's read Luke 16 and verse 10 out loud together. Would you read this one with me? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Boy, did you get that? One of the most basic questions of faithful resource management is what am I doing with what I have right now? We cannot put our stewardship off until tomorrow. We must not delude ourselves with when and then thinking. When I get more then I'll give more. The question is what the question isn't, what could I do if I had a million dollars? The question is what am I doing with the 1 dollar I have right now? Mm-hmm. So number 3 is the what I have now attitude. And then if I'm a giver, not a Taker or a keeper, I will have the test God, trust God attitude. Test God, trust God. Simply stated, giving is in fact a test of my trust. Here's how God Himself challenges us in Malachi chapter 3. He says, You're robbing me of the offering of the 10% that belong to me. I am the Lord all-powerful and I challenge you to put me to the test. By the way, this is the only place I know of in all of Scripture where God actually asks us to test Him. Bring the entire 10% and I promise I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing blessing. After blessing. God said that. I didn't. It's God's Word. But you see, it's a test, isn't it? Really? I mean, come on. Do we really believe God said that? Do we really believe that God will come through? If I give this 10% first, and the best part first, Will the 90% that's left over actually be more than the 100% if I'd kept it for myself? See, that's the test trust, The, the, the trust test. Say, all right. right? It really is a matter of trust, isn't it? Do we believe God will do that? And God says, test me. I'll prove to you I'll do it. So number four is the test God, trust God attitude. Number five... Givers possess the leave a legacy attitude. Leave a legacy. Simply stated, we live forever through our giving. You see there in your notes, Douglas Lawton wrote, we exist temporarily through what we take, but we live forever through what we give. Calvin Coolidge put it this way, no enterprise can exist for itself alone. It ministers to some great need. It performs some great service, not for itself, but for others. Or failing therein, it ceases to be profitable and ceases to exist. I heard someone put it like this, quality of life is not measured by its duration, but by its donation. Most importantly, however, Jesus summarized this attitude this way. Luke 17, verse 33. Whoever tries to preserve his life will lose it. The man who is prepared to lose his life will preserve it. Again, it's a, it's a choice. If I choose to hang on to it in the keeper's attitude, this is mine, I earned it, it's rightfully mine, I'm going to keep it. Then Jesus says, you're going to lose If you choose to give it away, if you have the attitude, okay, God has given this to me so that I can share it with Him and with others, and you give it away, you're going to leave a legacy. You are actually going to gain through your giving. So number five is a a leave-a-legacy attitude. Number six, I know I'm a giver and not a taker or a keeper. If I have the giving and receiving attitude, Giving and receiving. Simply stated, what I give, I will receive in return. Read Second Corinthians 9 and verse 6 out loud with me. Let's read this together. Remember this, if you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get only a small crop, but if he plants much, he will reap much. It's the timeless principle you see of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap. What you plant, you harvest. What you put into something, you get out of something. What you give away, you will receive back. I believe it was Charles Stanley who put it like this. I put it there in your notes. As we shovel it out to God and others, God shovels it back to us. Only He has a bigger shovel. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the gist of what Jesus meant in Luke 6 and verse 38? He says, give away your life. You'll find life giving back, but not merely given back, Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. So number six is the giving and receiving attitude. On the flip side of that, number seven is the receiving and giving attitude. Receiving and giving is basically the opposite of number six. Simply stated, what I receive, I must give in return Jesus mentioned this attitude in Matthew 10 verse 8 he said freely you have received freely give in other words with every blessing we receive comes the responsibility to share with God and with others Jesus stated it this way Luke 12 and verse 48 great privilege brings great responsibility when much is entrusted to a person still more will be demanded from him or her Again, with every privilege comes responsibility. With every blessing comes obligation. With every trust comes indebtedness. And so number seven is the receiving and giving attitude. Number eight, I know I'm a giver and not a taker or a keeper. When I model the planning brings joy attitude. Planning brings joy simply stated joyful giving is well planned in 2nd Corinthians 9 and verse 7 we read these instructions from Paul on giving I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting God loves it when the giver delights in the giving or as the NIV puts it and you probably know it better God loves a cheerful giver Delightful, hilarious, cheerful, joyful giving is the result, in fact, of prayerful planning. Now, I don't want to take away here spontaneous giving because there are times we give away spontaneously, right? Yes. But for the most part, when we're talking about the offering, that's what we're talking about this morning, giving on Sunday, that giving is well planned. It's not a spur-of-the-moment thing, oh, I guess it's time to dig into my wallet or it's time to write a check now. No. You give it thought ahead of time. You think about it. You pray about it. You seek God on the matter. You budget it, if you will. You plan ahead because it is in that planning that you find joy. So number eight is the planning bring joy's attitude. Number nine, givers possess the give and grow attitude. Give and grow. Simply stated, faithful giving produces spiritual growth. Now, I don't think that any of us would disagree that as we grow spiritually, we will invest more of our resources in the church and kingdom interest. However, I want you to understand that Jesus taught just the opposite. He taught us that as we give more, we will grow spiritually. In Matthew 6 and verse 21, He said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He did not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And so we need to flip-flop our thinking here. Yes, it may be true that our giving will follow our heart, but Jesus says just the opposite is true. Our heart will follow our giving. And as we make the commitment to give more, the result will be spiritual growth. Someone put it this way. I put it in your notes that way, I think. Giving is not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising people, raising them into the likeness of His Son. I like the way the Apostle Paul summed it up in Philippians 4 and verse 17. Though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me the happiest is the well-earned reward you will have because of your giving. And that reward is maturity. So number nine is the give and grow attitude. And finally, as a giver, I must have, number ten, the because of love attitude. Because of love. Simply stated, the highest motive for giving is love. Why do we willingly and sacrificially give our money? Because we are motivated by love. Love for God and love for others. John 3 and verse 16 tells us that God loved the people of this world so much that He what? He gave His only Son. What motivated God to give? Love and the same is true of our giving 1 John 3 verses 16 through 18 explains it like this we know what real love is from Christ's example in dying for us and so we also ought to lay down our lives for others if someone who is supposed to be a Christian has money enough to live well and sees someone in need and won't help him or her how can God's love be within that Christian? answer is it's not Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. The bottom line here is that when we love, we give. You might be able to give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So number 10 is because of love. Attitude. So that's the attitudes of the heart. When it comes to giving, the ten basic fundamental attitudes the Bible says that will have a direct effect on the who, what, when, where, why, and how of our giving, which brings us then to a moment of decision. The basics, Christianity 101, this morning we've taken a closer look at what the Bible teaches us about giving. And in particular, we have focused in on the attitude of the giver. And as we wrap up today's lesson, let me just challenge you with two questions for your own personal application. You see them there in your notes? Look at them with me. The first one is, which of the three basic attitudes from the parable of the Good Samaritan do I usually have toward giving? Ask yourself that question. Am I a taker? A keeper? Or a giver? Think about it. Ask God to search your heart. Ask your spouse to tell you. Ask a good friend to evaluate you. And then secondly, you'll see there, Of the ten attitudes of the heart the Bible teaches about giving, of which one is the Holy Spirit convicting you the most today? Of those ten things we just talked about, what steps are you going to take to do a little attitude adjustment this week with regard to your giving? Well, let's close this morning's lesson by reading Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Therefore, you must, as you have been taught, divest yourselves of your old character and behavior. You must put on completely new attitudes and actions, the new nature that God Himself created within you. Yeah, we're to put on new attitudes, folks. And what we've talked about today are the attitudes of a giver.